Hey, hey, everybody. We had a wicked awesome time this week. We had another guest on Have a Little Insight. His name is Michael Arterberry. I said that right, right? Pretty sure. Arter, Arterberry. Yeah. Arterberry. See, this is why Ryan and I are a team. Michael is a seasoned motivational speaker that's been motivating, inspiring, and changing the lives of teenagers and adults since 2008. He has a bachelor's of social work and is a certified life coach. He's also the author of the book, Be Encouraged, and 200, which is a book about 250 days of encouragement and motivation. He helps people to use what they've gone through to get to their breakthrough. He just recently is working on an online course called Shake the Dirt, which was actually one of my favorite analogies that I took away from this episode, where he talks about a donkey that fell down a well. And um, we won't tell you too much more about that because Michael tells the story far better than we could in the episode, but definitely leaving pumped and inspired and motivated. So Michael, you're an awesome motivational speaker because I'm feeling pumped up. Yeah, it was very exciting. Like right off the bat, we got into some really good conversation and it just flowed super nicely from there. And I had a lot of good takeaway from it as well. So I hope that you guys take a, take away something as well and have some insights from this conversation. And if there's anything, uh, any comments that you want to share with us, then feel free to leave it in a comment section or an email. Here's Michael. Welcome back to Have a Little Insight, everyone. We are on episode seven now, and we are very happy to have our special guest. It's pronounced Michael Arterberry. Yes. Perfect. Well, welcome to the show. Yes, yes. Thanks for having me. You know, I really have been enjoying being on quite a few of these podcasts during COVID, um, and it's just an opportunity to be able to use the technology to fill the void of what's actually going on out in society. So, you know, I'm, I'm looking forward to talking to you guys and I'm looking forward to speaking to your audience. Yeah, we're, we've been looking forward to talking to you too, Michael. It's actually one of my favorite things that has come out of this pandemic is the amount of innovation we're seeing, not just like from a technology perspective, but individual perspectives, the way that people are trying to branch out, like you said, with the podcast, or even for Ryan and I, one of the big obstacles was how are we going to continue our forward momentum with this podcast that we've been working on for eight months when we can't have meetings in person and we can't get together. And so it's yeah, it's been a really interesting time. There's been a lot of discoveries, like you said. Yeah, yeah, you know, using this time, you know, uh, for self-reflection, I think a lot of people take it somewhat as a punishment. And and for me, it wasn't. I think, you know, not that I, I have time and I do reflect on a, on a personal level without COVID, but during COVID, it gave me the opportunity to really start to structure some plans that were not as relevant in my business before COVID, but once it lifts, I'm going to have a business with different dynamics and different ways to be able to touch people. So, you know, it gave me the opportunity to really broaden my horizon and, um, you know, definitely a blessing in disguise. Yeah. And I, I think that overall uh, is attached to one of the messages about trying to use what people have gone through as a way to succeed rather than looking at COVID right now as an obstacle that's in the way. It's like, how can we be inventive and find new ways and new strategies? 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, well, you know, and that's that's, you know, what you do is I think a lot of people. Let me see how I can put this. You know, we we have a tendency to want to be something growing up, and we get bullied off of that path by people saying that you know you're not going to make enough money, or that's really not what you should be doing. So you know, when we sit back and self reflect during COVID. What I, I'm pushing is to have people really look at that thing that, you know, you used to always dream about when you were coming up, when you were a mm-hmm. child and, and, and start to put the energy towards it. Because for some people, their reality will be the fact that they lose their job. So they, they, they may not have the same job, you know, after COVID is lifted. So why not go back to something that you really want to do rather than going back to something where you can just collect a check. You know, I, I, when I do commencement speeches at graduations, I always emphasize the fact that do not go off to college and have making money your top priority because you'll wake up one morning, you'll have the nice car, you'll have the beautiful home and you know, the life will be sucked out of you because you're not doing something that you enjoy. Yeah, I agree. I was very lucky. I grew up with a mother who always was like, you can do whatever you set your mind to, like dream big. When I was in my early 20s, something that was quite exceptional was my mother actually encouraged me to go to theater school and to go to acting school, even though it's such a difficult profession to break into. And I know that not everybody has that kind of support, but I can very much relate to your dream big. It's not just about the money. And it's so important to do the things that you love. And with that, I think that's a really good segue into the fact that um, I don't think we've mentioned yet that you're a motivational speaker and you've worked with youth in uh, motivational and mentor capacity for years. And maybe you can talk to us a little bit about that. What I want to do is I want to tell you a story. It's an interesting story. People like it. And it's a good segue into my my life. But it's about a farmer and a donkey. Right. And this donkey is one of the farmer's favorite uh, farm animals because once he finishes working with him on the farm, he brings the donkey back to his home and he allows the donkey to play with his kids. So imagine the donkey and the farmer come home, they come running out of the house, they come out and they wash him, they ride him, you know, they pet him. And this is almost like a normal ritual. One night he brings the donkey home, they play with him, he releases him back out in the farm. But the following morning when he calls his donkey, the donkey doesn't show up, so he gets concerned. So he walks around the farm, he's calling his name. He finally hears the donkey at the bottom of an empty water well. The donkey had wandered into the well and fell in it during the night. So the farmer walks over and he decides he wants to pull the donkey out. So he gets six of his friends and he's gonna just, they're gonna use some rope to get him out. So they all get rope and they start lassoing the donkey. They throw the rope, they miss. They throw the rope, they miss. They finally throw it by his hind legs. He steps into the rope. They shimmy up his body and they start pulling. They pull the donkey moves. They pull the donkey moves. They pull the donkey moves. Then halfway up the well, they realize that the donkey's too heavy. So they lower him back to the bottom of the well. And now the farmer has to make a grim decision. Now, see, the farmer can't feed him food at the bottom of the well for his family because that wouldn't make any sense. The farmer doesn't really want to starve him because if he starves him, then it's more like you know, he's his pet. You don't really want to starve your pet. One of his hot-headed friends were like, listen, just shoot him. He's like, no, nah, I can't shoot him. That's too violent. 
one of his more reasonable fr friends convinced him that he wanted he needs to sacrifice his donkey. We're going to cover him with dirt so that his kids won't fall into the well and they'll be safe. So they all get shovels and they start shoveling the dirt. And every time that dirt hits the donkey, the donkey would scream. And every time that donkey would scream, it would cause the farmer some distress. Dirt, scream, dirt, scream, dirt, scream. And then all of a sudden, the scream stopped. When the scream stopped, they gave the donkey a moment of silence. But they continued to go to work. Dirt, dirt, dirt. Lo and behold, you see the donkey's right ear. So they start shoveling faster. The next thing you know, you see half the donkey's body. They start shoveling faster. The next thing you know, that donkey walks right out of the well that he fell into. So every time that dirt came across the wall, guys, it would fall on the donkey's back. He would shake it off and he would step on it. And he took every scoop of dirt that was meant to kill him to save his life. Now, I told you that story because what I want you to understand is that I grew up in a home with an alcoholic father, raging alcoholic father who raised from the time I was born until he died when I was 16. So as a teenager, I went every day, rarely ever having any types of balance. I was always concerned about what was gonna be like when I got home. On top of the raging alcoholic, I grew up in a home with poverty. We didn't have much money. Both my parents worked full time, but my dad used his money in the streets to drink. My mom was a housekeeper and she raised four kids with a housekeeper salary. So we didn't really have much money in my house. On top of not having much money, you know, as far as dysfunction, you got to imagine if you're living in a home with an alcoholic dad, you know, the guidance is not very structured. And then on my neighborhood, guys, you know, were not really trying to better themselves. So you had drug dealers, you had gang members, you know, and you had all the different dysfunctions going on around me. But the thing that I was able to do is I was able to shake my dirt like the donkey, step on it and use it. And I tell you that because you mentioned me mentoring and motivating teenagers. It's based in the foundation of my motivation is on what I was be what I was able to survive. And my energy goes towards other people because I want to see people become successful and overcome their dirt just like I was able to. You know, sometimes I have to watch it and be careful because I can sometimes become more invested in your life than you are invested. And, you know, I've had to gauge and get myself to a place where, you know, if I see that you're not willing to drink the water, I have to back off. But, yeah, I'm, I'm into motivating. It's it's in my blood. It's in my DNA. I was born to do it. Um, I don't I, I didn't know at the time that it was going to be my outcome, but I take full advantage of who, who it's created me to be and what I've been able to do. I, I really love that story too. And that was one that I had heard when I was looking into you for. And I, I do think that's amazing. And just overcoming what it is that's gone on in your life rather than let it be something that completely defines you and holds you back. So do you, do you notice like a difference in people when you're speaking to them, the ones that really want to break through and the ones that are just being really resistant? You know, what's amazing is, um, so I, I, I either do a venue where I speak to an audience. So let me start there. So with the audience, what's amazing is I start my talks with that donkey story. Um, I almost didn't tell you because I've been on all, all these podcasts yeah. and I knew you, 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 you listened to them. So you probably heard it. 
before, but I always have to remember, even though I've told it a million times, a lot of people haven't heard it before. So, but I tell it before every time I speak and I do it because once I finish, I have a slideshow and I show the house that I grew up in um, and then the house that I live on live at now. But I explain to the audience how it felt to live in that that house. You know, when you look at it, it looks condemned on the slide. But I say that to you because once it's over and you talk about the donkey story and you share some of your your wounds, you know, I have the the people come up to me at the podium and they're like, wow, you know, that really hit home. You know, because you know what? Listen, if we keep it real, all of us, everybody in this world has dirt. How heavy it is, how different it is. It comes in different shapes and sizes, but we all have dirt. So when I'm telling that story, people are, are actually sitting in the audience and I know what they're doing. They're thinking about it. And matter of fact, I e even signal them to say, as I continue my talk, I want you to think about the dirt you have. So yes, in the in the individual speaking engagements, I, I get people that come up, but when I go into schools, what's really intense about it is I do a two day full workshop. So I have 25 to 30 students um, in a room with me in a circle and we explore this thing like it is really somebody's business. And what I do is I have activities that are built off of each other that start out real light. They come in, they first think they're gonna get pizza and two days out of school. Um, and so that's the that's the catch. So they come in the room and they're thinking about pizza and I don't have to go to class. And then they get smacked in the head with this experience that, I mean, their head's spinning because before you know it, I'm in there. You know, I, I do these activities, like one of the first activities I do is called Affirmation in Twos. And so what I do is I have them partner up. Um, let me rewind so that you can get a vision of the room. When I go to a principal, I want a cross section of students. So when you see this room of 25 students, it's white, black, Latino, rich, poor. So that room is multicultural. So I have to put that out when we start. But then I, I line them up. They got a partner. They got one minute to talk about the positive things about themselves. And then they have one one minute to think about the talk about the positive things about themselves to each other. And then after that, I have them introduce each other to the group. And then I pull them out into the circle and then I ask some questions. And one of the first questions I ask is how it felt. And then I would I said to him, if I gave you a minute to list the negative things, would it be easier or harder? And 99 percent of them will say easier. And that's where I start out. And I explain to them that we're products of our thought lives and we have to be careful of the things that we process and how we process them. You know what I mean? And so, you know, we start to get into it about their dirt at that point. And uh, by the end of the two days, they're 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 stripped down. They've bared all of their inner feelings. We built community. And, um, you know, it's good to see a teenager have an aha moment. You know, uh, I'll finish with this. Part of the two-day experience is for me to walk them back through their stories because I feel like we step on landmines in our stories and damage occurs, but you don't realize it. And so you start to plan your life around the damage of the landmine. And so that's what the teenagers get to see. They get to see like, wow, you know, that happened to me when I was seven, but I'm 14 and I'm still making 
decisions based on an event that happened so long ago in my life. Hmm. I'm just absorbing everything for a second. <laughs> uh, I like silence. That's good silence. I it is. Yeah, you got you got to let it marinate for a minute. That's okay. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? I, yeah. That push must, back that must be. That must be what happens in the room. Like they're all excited to be there. They got these this time off, and then all of a sudden it's like, oh wow, all right, this is this is real. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you know what's funny, Ryan? So check this out. So I go into schools, and um, so I do. When I go into a school, I, I I try to force them to commit to at least six workshops because you really want to try start to change culture. So I don't want to come in and do 25 kids and just leave your school. That really doesn't make any sense. Mm -hmm. So I, I, I and what I do is I do an assembly first. So I plant the language of the program in the entire building because I know I won't get to everyone. So when I leave the assembly, every student in the building understands my language in my room. But I'll probably get to maybe 100, 125 students per year. And I go into schools year after year. Now, I'm telling you this because pizza, two days off, but kids that go through it will send their friends and their friends will say, what, what is it like? And it's such a deep touching experience. You can't explain it. So I love when a kid comes in and somebody told them, just go, you got to experience it. And you look at them and you're like, Hey, what's the matter? And they'll go, wow, this is what they told me. You know, I just got chills when I said that to you, but it's like, it hits them. It's like, this is what my friend was talking about. And I mean, these kids, man, I call it a rebirth. You know what I'm saying? You know, when you're a teenager and your life is totally out of control and you have no idea why it's out of control and I give you a nugget to give you something that makes it make sense to you, they're like, whoa, you know? And part of my gift is I, I quiet, you know, I'm a, I'm, I'm a spiritual guy but I won't get too spiritual on you, but I'm, I'm, I'm a spiritual guy, but I quiet my inner spirit so that I pick up on the vibe of the room. And I'm gifted enough where if I, I listen to everything you say so precisely that I start to piece your story together for you. So every so often I'm one step ahead. So I'll say something to them where they'll be like, oh, dude, how did you know that? And what they won't understand is that they gave me the, the material. All I had to do was listen well enough. You know what I'm saying? And so, you know, one time a group, it was funny, one group, because I was so good at it, they made me go around the circle. So, like, there's 25 kids, and they start, made me start at one side of the circle. And they said, all right, predict everybody's story. And it was like, <laughs> it was like halfway through the first day. And luckily, I had, it was a group where I had enough for each person. I didn't know the conclusion, but they gave me enough and bang, I started knocking them out, bro. Oh man, those kids thought it was magic up in there. So uh, yeah, yeah, I'm good at what I do. And I'm not bragging, I'm just saying that it's my gift. So I have a few um, things that are brewing in my mind. I'm not really sure where to start, so we'll just roll with the first one. I'm curious how you came into your gift like I know you talked about your past and where you came from and how that's informed who you are but do you have like a moment you could reflect on where you were like this is what I'm supposed to do it might not be what everybody tells me you're supposed to do I might not make money but I really feel compelled to take this path and what that journey was like for you to 
get to where you are now? It's hard to, because I've been in it so long to think back. I, when I think back over my life, I was on track towards it immediately. And what I mean by that is I, I was a camp counselor all my life. And whenever I was a camp counselor, I, I was always the counselor that the kids wanted and they would always give me the difficult kid. So, you know, the kid that nobody else could, could kind of handle, they would throw him in Mike's group and I would end up being able to bring him under, you know, control. And by the end of the summer, they're like, wow, you know, this kid really responded. So I had sort of the gift then, but I went off to school to be a social worker. And once I got into the social work and I, I, I married it with my gift. So you got to ma imagine a social work degree, um, being naturally gifted and then marrying my story. Oh, it was freaking explosive. And so as I started to go through life, I started to use it, but I'll tell you what made me develop my program is because as a social worker, I worked at a foster care agency and they would give me curriculums to work with kids. So they would go buy one. They were researching online. People that really didn't have any idea about facilitating a workshop, but they would research it, give me the um, curriculum. And then when it failed, I would get in trouble. Like you didn't do the program, right? And I'm like, listen, guys, you gave me the program. Why am I in trouble? Because you bought it. And so, you know what I did? I said, I'm going to fix them. I made my own. But when I made my own, I went to the nonprofit and I said, listen, I have this thing and you're going to pay me. And so they paid me to do my program, but then it started to become successful. And so my executive director, um, I don't know what she was thinking, guys, but she 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 was paying me a salary. But then she showed me how much money my program was bringing, <laughs> bringing into the agency. So when I saw my salary compared to what they were making, I was like, holy cow, what am I doing? So they finally took me to this luncheon to schmooze this philanthropist. And I go to the luncheon and, you know, we're all sitting around the table. And uh, long story short, I kind of mentioned my faith and my religion. The woman is into her faith and her religion. She likes me. She likes what I'm talking about. And she pulled me out of that nonprofit. She gave me the money directly. And that's when I left and I created my nonprofit organization. And I was able to do my program on its own. So I think my whole life was a compilation of running in the direction of where I'm actually at now. If I answered the question, I'm sorry, I, I feel like I went. Left. No, 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 it's perfect. I was looking for more story and more elaboration. You definitely gave that. Everybody's process is a little bit different, right? Like sometimes we always feel on a path, but then there's like that aha moment. And it sounds like you were always on the trajectory, like you said. But if I pick out your story correctly, that moment when the lady gave you the money was your moment where you were like, okay, I'm going to do this. But all of the little steps building up to that moment really kind of just catapulted you forward so that when that money was presented and that lady just showed that faith in you, you were like, okay, let's jump. I'm ready. Let's do this. Yeah, but check this out. I got to share one thing with you, though. Listen, this one is really, you know, like this. So, yes, I was going in the right direction. But what I forget in my story when I tell you is that I was a, an elite athlete. So I wanted to play professional football. So imagine I was going through school. My track was professional football, even though I was doing all this with the kids. 
But what happened was is I, I um oh, I hate when I have to say this as an adult because I have kids. I hated school. Did you hear me? Just yeah. in case my kids are listening. <laughs> I didn't I, I hated school. So because I hated school, uh, I didn't go to class. And because I didn't go to class, I ended up at a division three smaller school rather than a big school that plays on television. So it it, it knocked my chances down of playing professional football. I tried out, but I didn't make it. Now I'm telling you this because over my life after that, I kind of would think about, wow, if I made professional football, I would have all this money, big car, cars, house. But I came from one of those workshops, and the workshop was real deep. I mean, we really went on some really deep topics. And I'm sitting at a light, and it overwhelmed me because I thought about the million-dollar contract and what I felt in that room. And I laughed. I said, the, the money is nothing. I didn't want to play professional football. This is what I wanted to do. This is what I needed to do. And so, you know, being on a track, yes, but I forgot to say that, yeah, there was there was some football going on bouncing around in my head while I was pushing towards that goal. Well, it seems like you traded in your touchdowns for changing lives. Yeah, I sure did, Ryan. <laughs> and it's good. It's good. It's a good feeling. And seeing like how passionately you are because everyone's only listening to this but just even like on your face i can tell that you're just like so driven about this so it seems like you're right where you need to be yeah yeah you know you know what i find that and this is why i'm glad i'm doing the podcast my business is therapeutic the things that i went through growing up I should be in a psychologist. A psych- I should go to therapy like five days a week. I mean, like, really? Like, the stuff that was going on in that alcoholic dysfunctional home, you could have made lifetime movies, bro. Like, when we're around at Easter and my family and I just get lost in stories, dude, we have to stop. Like, when we start telling those crazy stories, We'll look at each other and we'd be like, you know what? Let's 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 kind of get off this topic, because some of the stuff I survived, man, is like like serious, serious trauma. But I say that because every day I go to work, I get to go to therapy, man. So when you say I'm passionate, I'm passionate because I get to get that weight lifted off of me. You know what I'm saying? You know, people can't help other people unless you help yourself first. You get a lot of people that go into this business and they're still wounded. So when you're still wounded, when you walk in the room, rather than trying to help those that you speak to, you're still trying to heal yourself. And you still are be able to be productive, but you, you don't give off the same message. See, I'm light when I go into the room. I don't want anything from you. You know what I'm saying? Matter of fact, I'll be honest with you. You know, I sent you guys the email uh, to be on the podcast. You know, some, some, some woman sent me an email, and I don't know what email or podcast she was listening to. She said I was self-centered. I was all about myself. All I wanted to do was make money. And I'm reading this email. I'm like, lady, what? I mean, I don't know what universe she was on. But, you know, no, man, no. I'm light. I'm light. I'm happy. I'm happy that I was able to overcome what I was able to overcome. And, and, and this is energy for me. You know what I'm saying? I, I feed off of it, but I don't feed off it in, in a way that I want to be in the limelight. I feed off of it because I get to unpack it and get it out of my head. I think it's really interesting when you mention that story, and it's a really important thing to touch on that, knowing yourself. 
as you go through your life is really important so that when things come at you like that, like the email from that lady you mentioned, you knew like a lot of people or some people might have been offended and been like, what? And got angry and reacted in anger. But it sounds like you've spent enough of your life getting to know yourself and shaking your dirt, as you say, that you could look at that and say, no, that's not who I am. That's not why I'm doing this. And I think that's a really empowering stance to take. And it's definitely something that takes a lot of process. I know for myself, I have to look at things like that sometimes and be like, is that valid criticism? Or, oh, no, I know myself better than they know me. Yeah. And, and I'll tell you this, this is something I teach. And this is this is this one is one of those things where I could drop the mic, but we won't drop the mic. We got some more talking to do. But check it out. If you don't have to get validation from other people and you can only get it from yourself, that's that's a drop the mic situation right there. So when you say that to me, yes, it's been a process, but I don't need anybody to make me feel valuable. So it puts me in a position to be able to walk in and out of rooms. Put it this way. Check it out. I um I suffered a spinal. I'm not going to go into the whole story. That's a whole nother podcast. So I'm going to give it to you real quick just to get to the punchline. But I had a spinal cord injury, took some nerves from my legs. I walk with a limp. Um, not very happy with it, but I'm still very active. I work out seven days a week, twice a day. So it doesn't hinder me. But because I walk with a limp and if I have to walk long distances, I've come to the realization that I bought a electronic scooter. It's pretty cool. It's got a battery. I can pick it up, put it in the back of my truck. I jump in it. It goes four miles an hour. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's my friend because I go to schools and sometimes I got to walk really far. I tell you this because I've had to do that kind of work because I'm, I'm a big dude. So I'm big, I'm muscular. And I had to do that self-work so that I can get in that scooter and pull into a school or pull into an arena where my kids are playing without being afraid of, oh, who's looking at me? I can't believe I'm in a scooter. You know what I'm saying? And so, you know, being able to not pull value from other people puts you in a position of, of such balance. And I teach teenagers that, that, you know, don't feel like you have to seek validation from others once you're able to get it from yourself the validation and the accolades from other people is like icing on a cake yeah and i i definitely think uh looking back at my own experience through high school as well i wish that i would have taken a class that you offered <laughs> because because <laughs> i i think it's such a crucial point in your life where especially now with social media you know everyone's looking everywhere like what's cool what's hip what should it what should i be doing what's popular but just owning yourself and knowing that you have value and whatever it is that you want to do and go for that, it doesn't matter what anybody else tells you, is amazing to have at such an early age. And I wish that I had that earlier in my life as well. Yeah, and, and I ruin them on their relationships, guys. I tell them if they come in the room with a girlfriend, like boyfriend and girlfriend come in the room, I tell them by the time this workshop's over, you're not going to be going out anymore. First and <laughs> foremost, you're not. They're going to break up. Dirty laundry, bro. Two days, you're, you're giving up your dirty laundry. So you're going to find out everything you would have found out eight months or whatever down the line. But I also say this, and, and, and this is something for adult relationships and teenage relationships. A healthy relationship, because we've been watching the movies, everyone thinks it's 
oh my gosh, that person completes me. They're my other 50%. And teenagers get caught up in that so bad, that's why they have such bad breakups. Because when they go out with someone, they've given them 50% of themselves. So when that boyfriend or girlfriend leaves, they feel like part of them have is gone and they're, they're weeping and they're sad because they've lost themselves. But what I explained to them, which is valid for us as adults, is a healthy relationship is 100-100. You are self-dependent, I'm self-dependent, we come together, we make 200 rather than 100, so that if there is ever a split, I don't have to feel that I'm less than because you left me. You know what I'm saying? So yeah, you're right, buddy. You know what I'm saying? Knowing your worth is is very important because, you know, back to the same concept, you know, validation. As long as you don't have to give validation from others, is powerful. And uh, you mentioned that you work with adults as well. So I'm curious because if you have a story from when you were seven and then you carry that until you're 18, it's probably a little bit easier to go through that story and see where the pitfalls are and break through a lot easier than if you were 30, for example. What's interesting with my schools is I mandate that a minimum of two teachers are in each one of those groups. So a lot of my adult work is done in the same room as a teenager. And I say that to you because the adult teachers will process the information. My information is not teenage it's not like teenage appropriate. It's just life human appropriate. It's just for people. And so, you know, the manual, your manual for the information I share is your life story. So it doesn't matter how old you are. So if we do an activity together, we're all doing the same activity, but what Ryan is gonna do is he's gonna pull his manual, his life, and run it through the activity. So, you know, um, uh, an adult will 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 maybe have to reach back a little bit further, but as far as being able to find it, really believe it or not, what's really enlightening is, and my sister avoided this. I'm going to tell you real quick. My sister's 60, all right, and she went to counseling. You know, I told you all the craziness in my house. So she's 60 now. She's going to counseling. Never went when we were growing up. We we were never taken to a uh, therapy. But she started to love it, guys. 60 years old, she's going in, she's enjoying the time with the therapist. Then she calls me and she's like, listen, Michael, I'm not going back. <laughs> I'm like, wait a second, since you just told me you loved it. And she says, listen, she says, I've made it 60 years with not talking about this stuff. She says, I'm not gonna, I'm, I'm not gonna relive it for the rest of my life. And you know, I didn't fight her because I could kind of understand. But then in the back of my mind, I was saying, you, you, you can live 30, 40 more years. You know what I'm saying? Wouldn't you want to live in peace rather than having that nonsense bounce off in your head? So, you know, a lot of adults, when they go through the information, they really start to think back. It's refreshing. It's refreshing. So the age difference, I don't find that the different age makes it um, difficult for me to get the job done. Um, you know, sometimes it's just their aha moment. They, they get, they, re, they, they regret the fact that they met me so late, put it that way. Mm. Yeah, and yeah, I think that would be the biggest thing is just 
like I said, that I would I wish that I would have gotten into this stuff a little bit earlier because uh, Jenny and I are both really big on personal development in general and been doing a lot of work in the background on ourselves. <laughs> so it was really cool to uh, have you come on to talk with about all of this because it's very much aligned with what we already think about. You know, I wrote a book as well. Uh, I don't know if we were going to talk about that later, but my book, Be Encouraged, you know, after you listen to me speak, you read the pages, you know, that energy kind of jumps off the page and it and it, it comes at you. So, you know, self-development and getting your place, yourself to a place where you really are 100% about you is very, very healthy. Um, mentioning your book, I... I read it before, like we met with you, the sample that you sent me and Ryan, and I believe Ryan, you read it as well, right? Yeah. And I feel like now having met you and listened to you talk, what you're saying is true. Like the words are jumping off the page at me in a different way that you wrote. Like when I read them, they were, they had impact and I could hear them. But after meeting you and getting your energy and feeling your passion for what you do and how you talk, it, it brings a whole new life to the, to the page and the words that you wrote. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and I'm thinking about putting it on audio. You know, I don't know if audio, I guess so. I guess if audio would bring the same energy um because of my voice. I think, you know, you when when you when you are put together for your gift, you know, by the manufacturer, you could say, all parts come ready to work. So my voice is the additive, you know what I'm saying? Like I have that voice like that, you know, like usually the the radio host you know, he he has that voice when he comes on at, you know, so-and-so time, you know. So I think my voice and, and my demeanor and my energy was part of the package. So, uh, yeah, yeah, I appreciate you saying that. I really do appreciate you saying that. Thank you. Yeah, I'd say right now if there was an audio version, I would definitely have it on my phone because I'd be walking. <laughs> I'd be listening to walking down the street doing like karate kicks because I'd be so psyched. <laughs> oh, yeah, no. Yeah. Now I'm just seeing you walking down the street, Ryan, doing like karate kicks and like waving your arms around everywhere. <laughs> I'd probably yeah. just pull a muscle. But. Oh, God. <laughs> no, you've been working out during COVID. You're OK. You're OK. Yeah. Um, with that, Michael, now that we're talking about your book, is there anything about your book that you'd like to talk about or share with people who are listening? Of course, buy it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, shameless plug. But anyway, uh, you know, it's really it's interesting. So the way that it came about was on my Facebook page, I would write. I take about an hour or so to do sort of my own personal um Let's call it meditation. All right. We'll, we'll call it meditation. Make it universally correct. But I, after my meditation time, I write and I write whatever comes to my mind. So I clear myself. I get to a really nice place and I would write like a paragraph and I would put it on my Facebook page. And I did this for years. And so a woman got cancer and she had cancer and she wrote me a, a, a inbox and she says, listen, you know, Michael, I wish I could go to your messages in one place. And I said, voila, okay. And that's when I took them. My wife uh, is an author as well. And we took them um, and I pulled some of my favorites and I made it 250 days of uh, motivation and inspiration because, you know, when you put dates, I wanted it devotional style, but if you put like April 12th and April 12th comes, I know I've had them and I missed a day. I feel guilty, so I won't go back and read it. So I didn't want people to get stuck up on dates, but um, it's an, a manual 
to help people understand that life is difficult, guaranteed. So, I mean, that is something I can guarantee you. Difficult, and, and that's relative on how difficult it may be. But if you are able to change and look at it from the proper perspective, you can always find a silver lining. Um, it takes effort to do that. And so I think people have a tendency to be able or would like to just stay in a victim stance because to be a victim, you don't have to move. You know, for you to get out of the victim place, you have to start moving your mind and your thought process has to change. So, you know, my book is to just let you know that, yeah, life can get crazy, but you can come out of it on top. Yeah, I like that a lot. One of my guiding principles that I kind of made for myself during the pandemic, because I've had ups and downs, was that I was going to look for opportunities as opposed to seeing all the limitations. Mm -hmm. And it just kind of created a lot of freedom and room to move. Like you said, like things get hard and there are difficult things and challenges along the way, but it comes in line for me with like suffering is optional. You don't have to. You can push through, you can move past, you can shake the dirt, as you say, and be the donkey that comes up to the top of the well, which, if nothing else from doing this episode with you, I'll remember that. I'll be like, oh, yeah, that donkey in the well that Michael talked about, like, just shake it. Like, we'll keep going, you know? Yeah, and, and, and can I say this? You know, I um, I tell the donkey story, and, and I do that because that's exactly what the teenagers do, Jenny. See, I'm trying to give them things. You can't, you don't want to complicate something that's simple. So the dirt, like you're saying, allows them to be able to express it sometimes without actually being specific, but something that they can draw from once they leave me. And so, yes, yes, I, I hope you do repeat it. You know what I'm saying? Because it's, it's something that I'm subliminally trying to plant as a motivating so i'm doing my job as we do the podcast yeah it's a great story i'll definitely i know it'll stick with me so thank you no thank and, you and uh, we we noticed that you're you're now i guess because of the pandemic situation you're doing an online course now called yes shake the dirt. yes yeah shake the dirt experience so you know it's amazing you, you, listen let me tell you this another good tip the teacher can never stop being a student. Now, I'm telling you this because, like, like you asked me about the course, I may have to go back to the other podcast. I had to change it. I had to change the course. I, I set out to do it in one way, you know, and the teacher has to be the student. So, you know, I connected to the, uh, with a woman. We're working on my marketing scheme. And the way I wanted to, I envisioned it to be interactive where I did 20 people in a Zoom room, and I walked you through 11 weeks of a course, um, which would have been very touching. But, um, you know, it, it just, it just, if you want to get to more of the world, that doesn't make any sense. But the way I've had, I have it now is it's um, seven lessons, seven lessons, and each one will help walk you through your life story so that at the end you get some clarity of what you've been through and how those decisions that you've made have structured um, your life and the things that you are pushing forward to in the future. Um, 
but there are activities on each lesson and then I, I finish it off with a nice video that's a debriefing of each activity but it's called shake the dirt experience um i'm cleaning it up you know now um so that i'll be able to put it out um to the universe um once it's final but you know if if you come to my facebook group be encouraged i make sure that you know i keep everything up front um i give away some goodies in there and once i launch it um i'll let everyone know awesome and yeah we're gonna be putting all the links to the facebook group and everything like that in the uh, the show notes on the website so if anyone's looking for any more information they can go there to uh click on any of the links Okay, all right. Sounds good. Yeah. Uh, and I don't know if Jenny has anything else for you before we uh, start wrapping up here. Not really. I was just going to say it sounds like as you're building the course that uh, you're shaking a little bit of dirt yourself there. And I, I can relate having just built this with Ryan, how much it takes to just the teacher always needs to be the student. We're always learning. It's always about iterating and inventing and figuring out what works and what doesn't work and what you're going to keep and not keep, whether you're building an online course or Ryan and I building a podcast or whether you're just building a, a different or better version of yourself. It's really yeah, about evaluating yeah. and casting off and keeping. Yeah. Well, you know, the, 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 the beautiful thing about this relationship is I think uh, nothing in life happens by chance. And um, I did a podcast with a woman who, who uh, does online businesses and she heard my story, heard what I had to do. And, and you could see it. She immediately, and, and I, I, I find it in different realms of what I do. I, I, I'll do what I do for no money. If my, if my kids could eat, my rent could get paid, my car note and everything can get paid. I don't do what I do to get paid. Now, I say that to you because that's the energy I give off, but I don't make a lot of money in what I do because I don't never angle it on doing it to make some profit. But people see what I do and they, they, you know, I've had gurus say like, dude, you, you give too much away for free. You know, there's things that you can, you can get paid for. And so, you know, she, she did the podcast with me and she shook my tree a little bit. Like, listen, I know you want to help the world, but, uh, much put a little something in your pocket in the process. So, you know, she's teaching me, you know, I'm not the greatest businessman. You know what I'm saying? Um, I'm a great motivator, but you, you, you know, I, running a business, you know, I know how to stay in my lane, you know? So, um, yes, yes. The teacher has to always be the student. So I just wanted to finish up by asking you, what's one big insight that you would like to leave our audience with, or even if it's just a couple small things. All right. You ready? Let's um, do it. There we go. And this is in my book. You, if you read it, I, it was in the, like the third page, but the audience gets a treat. Short-term thinkers plant gardens. Long-term thinkers plant trees. Eternity-minded thinkers plant themselves in the souls of others. You know, what I want to leave with your audience is this, and I want you guys to take it with you as you continue on your path with your podcast. What's really important in life is how a person feels once you leave them. What is the essence that you leave with an individual once you continue or when you finish having a conversation or having some sort of interaction with them? And so I wrote that in my book because me personally, when I leave a person, I want them to feel touched. You know what I'm saying? 
You know, a lot of the young people that come from my groups, my mom loved me big. She had big love. She loved me through all that craziness that I went through. But my kids, my teenagers, I call them my surrogate children. They feel loved on in the two days that we've been in the workshop together. So I think that should be everybody's mission. Live a conscious life, live a selfless life, and make sure that you really, really think about how is that person going to feel once I walk away? So that's just a little something to take with you. Well, I can definitely say that you've left something planted in me at the end of this all. So I'm, I'm definitely feeling a lot more pumped up. Well, Michael, we're very glad that you reached out to us to come on to do an episode. And this has been really, really fun. All right. All right, guys. Enjoy the rest of your day. All right. Well, I hope everyone enjoyed that as much as Jenny and I did. It was great having Michael on. And we hope that there was some takeaway for you. So feel free to share anything that was very insightful for you. You can find us on Instagram under Howley Podcast. So that's H-A-L-I Podcast. We're also on Facebook. And we have our website, haveallittleinsight.com. There you will also be able to find more information on Michael. And you can shoot us an email at haveallittleinsight at gmail.com as well. We also want to say uh, thank you to everybody who has been listening and supporting us. Ryan and I have been working on this for a really long time. And we're super excited to bring you new guests, new perspectives, new insights. And if you are somebody who's interested in having an open, authentic, and honest conversation with us, please reach out and shoot us an email. We're always looking for new guests. Yeah, so thank you so much for everyone so far who's been listening. We definitely appreciate it. Take care and have an awesome week. We're looking forward to the next episode with you guys and hope you are too. Peace out and stay encouraged.